Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Pilati, and today we're going to talk about ABM, account-based marketing. We're going to go deeper. We covered this a while back on the podcast, but today I have Rachel Tiao, who is a director of ABM and Lifecycle Marketing and Auth0. Rachel, thank you so much for joining. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So Rachel's been doing ABM type stuff for a while now. She's got some hot takes and some fundamentals to make sure that we're covering. So even if you've done ABM before, this is going to be a fantastic refresher with some tips and tricks and all that fun stuff. If you haven't really done it before, it's going to be a great primer to get rolling. So Rachel, why don't you give a, a quick background on yourself and then we'll go ahead and jump in. Yeah. So I started out my career in tech as a sales development rep. And from that, it led me to becoming an AE because, I mean, let's be real. You don't learn A through Z halfway. and You don't finish the whole alphabet cycle. So I thought, hey, now that I know how to open deals, how do I learn how to close them? So that path has taken me to a variety of experiences. The odd thing is no matter how much I am in the role of closing deals, the opportunity of leading, managing, and starting teams to open deals keep popping up. And I figured this must be some crazy synchronicity from the universe. So I took on that opportunity, which was what led me to build Outbound at Zero at a time when 99.9% of their deals are inbound. That then came to a point where I began to ask the question, okay, so much of what we do in sales can be automated by marketing. And in the world of tech, that's what we're seeing. Can I gain new experiences by joining the marketing side of the house? And thankfully, Carrie at the time, who was our director of demand gen, says, yes, please join our team. So I was adopted under her wing and I began a new career and trajectory under demand gen and built ABM at Odd Zero. So it all started out with sales. And for those of us who are on the call curious if they should join sales, yes, do it. Yeah, I did a short stint doing some sales stuff over at HubSpot. It is incredibly valuable to understand what that process looks like, get the rejection, understand how you can create the repeatable systems around it. I fully endorse that. (laughs) So most people think about ABM as like this one-to-one type thing. And when we were talking about it before we hopped on the podcast, you're saying you think of it a little bit differently. We'd love your kind of high level. How do you think about ABM? Like what makes it successful? What is the strategy that you use to approach it? That's a multi-layered, very gem-packed question. So let's answer the first one, which is, is ABM one-on-one? Is that the only approach? How do we then approach ABM to make it successful? So I want to start off from, let's take a 50,000 foot view and look at what account-based marketing is. It's not a new approach to go-to-market strategy or tactics. It's something that we've done it for a very long time, except we now have a fancy term, a fad term called ABM. If you think about it, ABM really is an approach and a philosophy to go to market or how we approach our uh, total addressable market, which means how we approach the market can be multifaceted. We can go one-on-one straight up. Hey, my goal is to prospecting to drift. I want to build an entire dossier on, on drift. Who are the decision makers? Who are the influences within the account? And what are some of the challenges 
based on our research that they may be going through and our services can address. That's super targeted. Another one that we can look into, which is one to few. So let's just say drift meets the criteria of our ideal customer profile types. We know who the key personas are. We know who the key influencers are. Now, it could be departments, right? It doesn't have to be the specific individual. And they meet us and they meet the criteria of the business industry they're in, could be employee size, revenue, business segments, what have you. Let's just say Drift meets all that criteria. Then the one to few is how do we find all the lookalikes to Drift? Because if I can understand Drift that well, how can I replicate that across 200 other accounts? Which means we can then extrapolate that into one to many. What are all the 2,000 accounts that are lookalikes to Drift? So those are the three approach that we have implemented and tried at odd zero, one-to-one, one-to-many, one-to-few. Where we spend a considerable amount of time for us is actually one-to-many and one-to-few. We can dive into that later as to why, but did that answer your question, Matt? Yeah, absolutely. And how do you think about which one is right for me? If I'm I'm either doing one of them right now and maybe I should be doing the other two or one of the other ones, like how, how do you approach like which one's right for anyone's approach? The first thing that popped in my head is bandwidth. If you're a one person show, how much can you do? There's no way that one individual can do one-on-one across, I don't know, 100 accounts. Believe it or not, the amount of time to understanding an account does take time. Let's also put into perspective, you're on the marketing side of the revenue org. So you are prepping all the information that's necessary so that sales can then take on that dossier or the information packet and execute on it. The hardest part is usually the start. So to answer your question, I always recommend, depending on the size of the company, even if you are a large company like Dell, there is incredible value in starting at a very manual process or in a very manual way. What that means is you pick your top 20 accounts that you can identify as your key target accounts because they meet all the criteria of what makes them a successful customer because you can address their challenges. Then you go by one by one and understanding, okay, are there any similarities that we can call out? Are there any traits that I can identify? Now, this could be technologies that are complementary to Drift or for me is complementary to Auth0? Are there any industries that I find that may leverage Auth0 much more than other technologies because they, let's just hypothetically say, one of the triggers is they're looking to build more applications. One of the things that Auth0 addresses is how do we remove authentication silos. So if they're looking to expand their business, that is a great business trigger for us. So as you're learning and you're going through the manual process, what you're training yourself to do is to quickly skim through what makes sense for the business and what doesn't make sense. Once you have that, you can then say, hey, I can go into, I don't know, Discover or Zoom Info and plug in some of the criteria to find more lookalikes. So that's how you can start. I would say start small. You don't have to 
boil the entire ocean. Just, you know, you just need a cup of tea. So microwave yourself a cup of water. (laughs) Start from there. See what your experience has been based on what you can identify. Share those learnings and then build upon that. And you mentioned that at Auth0, you do a lot more of the one-to-many and one-to-few. Is that for you mainly you've ruled out that the one-to-one just isn't quite worth it in the market? Or is it still more of like a bandwidth you haven't quite gotten the resourcing to do the one-to-one well? Okay, so this is where when we come to, when we think about the ABM team, or at least how I've thought about the ABM team will be people, process, data, and technology or tools. In terms of people to do one-on-one, because I come from a sales background, I have a bias. I'll be very open and transparent about it, that I want somebody who has done some form of a sales prospecting role. Now, this is a skill set to do one-on-one. Can this be taught? Yes. But at the pace that we have been moving at Odds Zero, it's something that, oh, do I run back 10 miles to get this person ramped up? Or do we just move in a direction that, hey, you know what? If we do one-to-one, it increases our pipeline by, I don't know, a fraction of a percent versus if we do one-to-many or one-to-few, which one are we going to pick? So, you know, there's opportunity cost. So with the opportunity cost, what we've learned in the one-to-one is we started out with one-to-one to really learn what are the accounts, are the ICPs that we thought about accurate across various business segments? Do we need to focus on industries or are we industry agnostic? What are some business triggers that we want to focus on? So we actually started up with the one-on-one to understand fully what our ICP is in a broad way. But the amount that we got back in pipeline gen with all that effort was so minimal that we thought, hey, can we can we map this out, kind of Xerox copy it across all the lookalikes? And when we started doing that, oh my gosh it actually works. So that means I don't have to get crazy detailed on a one-on-one, extrapolate the key information, map it out across one-to-many and one-to-few, and I can still see results. I do also want to touch on one thing. Right now in the tech space for the last, I don't know, for the last 10 years, you may have heard of this term. How do we automate and scale personalization? Sorry, I don't have an answer. Perhaps this is something we can call Elon Musk about because he seems to be working on some really cool AI technology. But do we see the oxymoron in it? We want to personalize, but we want to scale that. Personalization is one-on-one. It's not something that we can scale across the board, right? That's important to keep in mind. So that falls under, okay, if I want to do one-on-one and dedicate towards that, it almost needs to be a team on its own whether it's within demand gen or ABM, to focus on that. Looking back, if you could kind of do it again, would you still start with the one-on-one because of all the learnings that you got from that process? Or do you think there are parts of it that you can kind of like fast forward through and just start with the one to few stuff? <laughs> yes and no. So one thing that I find that's very unique to Odd Zero was while we were experimenting with the one-on-one, I was actually building out the outbound prospecting team at Odd Zero. So what happened was Carrie and I at the time got to work very closely on me giving feedback on, hey, actually, here are some additional personas that we want to look into because as we do outbound, 
as we prospect those individuals, they actually respond back and our conversations are very positive. So having that close relationship with demand gen at the time where we didn't have an ABM team, it was just me managing the, the SDR outbound team, having weekly conversations with Carrie, giving feedback between one another that enabled us to build that one-on-one on are these accounts we want to go after? Here's some feedback the sales leadership says, and the AEs themselves says, hey, we want to go after those accounts. So no, I would not skip that part because trust, but verify. We may have trustworthy information, but how do we verify that, hey, if we're going to double down and spend, I don't know, 250K on a program, it better work. And before we dump in 250K, we're going to spend 25K building out some program to really test out the hypothesis, right? Ultimately, it's kind of like science. Like, hey, I just want to test out my hypothesis. Is my hypothesis true? And even if it's not true, is it accurate? And what's the degree of its accuracy? If I can get anything that's 60 to 70% accurate, dude, we're all in. All in. I mean, it's not even blackjack. It doesn't even have to be 21 straight, right? It's just anything that's above anybody's hands on the table, you win. So that's how we approach it. So no, I wouldn't skip it. However, if you do have a team and you're at a company and you really know your historical customer information from the demographics, the technographics, the psychographics of your companies, you can skip it. But it's not an exercise that even through advising other startups, I don't advise them to just start that way. I think there's a lot of value in learning the manual work, right? If I may provide another analogy is sort of why do we need to learn how to multiply in our heads when we have calculators? Because once you know, you can tell if the calculator is lying or not lying. (laughs) And you can actually work on your own skill sets in identifying what is right and what's not right. And it almost sounds like going through the one-on-one process not only gives you the context and the confidence that what you're going to do is right, but it also generates and develops the relationships that you have across the teams and that bond between marketing and sales. And so I would wonder in your example, you know, you start with the one-to-one stuff, you get the learnings there, and then you scale to the one-to-few, one-to-many. I almost wonder if if just like doing a one-to-one process every now and then is just like a really good reset for any ABM team. It does. I mean, you you just touch on a few things that are so critical. I think sometimes when we get so bogged down with work, we forget that we do work with humans and having that relationship is so critical. It doesn't matter how many sales seminars, workshops, books, and they talk about how relationships don't matter because you got to be the challenger. Great. But you know what? Who would you rather buy from? The challenger whom is personable or the challenger who is a complete a-hole? <laughs> we, we have an answer. So yeah, you're right. I, I recommend that because when you have relationships across sales or across marketing, the information that people give you will be much more fruitful because there is this there's this baked in human psychology of reciprocity. Hey, Matt's been awesome to work with. I want to give him and arm him with all the information so that he can help me. So it's a very, I help you, you help me kind of situation. And on top of that, doing this, maybe depending on the pace of the company, sometimes quarterly can be, whoa, this is a lot. 
because we don't have that big of a team. And sometimes we just have to move very, very, very fast. But even if you do it once a year as a team exercise, and not just only limited to ABM, if you can bake this into a culture of the team, I think it's very, very valuable. At Odzer, we have this value that we all live by, which is N plus one is greater than N. So if we can always learn and we add on top what we already know, I mean, the results would be greater than what we had, right? So it's a very useful exercise. In fact, we do that too. When I say that we don't do one-on-one, it's not something that is part of our core menu, so to speak, right? Sort of, it's a special kind of thing. So every quarter we will reach out to our strategic sales team and understand what's been going on. Did the previous program work? What would you like? Here's what we've done for the one-to-few and one-to-many. We want to get your feedback on if any of those things could work or can we build something new from scratch just for your set of accounts. Awesome. I love that. So one thing that you mentioned a few minutes back was like the four components for how you think about ABM. It was people, process, data, and technology. I would love to just like step through your philosophy on each if we could do that. Yeah, definitely. So ABM, at the start of our conversation, I've mentioned that it's a way of thinking. It's a philosophy, really. And it's also an approach. Now, we can have all the thinking in the world, but if we can't execute on the thinking, it kind of goes nowhere. So four things that I've learned through other mentors and leaders are to build a team in general. We need people, right? As the quote says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with a team. So we need people. The second thing is once we have people, we need process in place. What this does is documentation. Hey, how Matt, what did you do? How did you do what you do? And are there any things in that entire start to finish of your program that we can templatize? Ultimately, what I'm hoping to do with the process is to help the team stay focused on the task at hand, opens up partnership with other teams, because once we know who does what, when it's due by and what needs to be completed, it makes it smoother. Now, as long as we have people involved, there's always some form of a friction, but with the process, hopefully it minimizes that. Another thing that I am very focused on with process is I don't want my team to spend countless hours doing repetitive tasks that can be offloaded to a tool or a process because human time is incredibly valuable. We can't buy it back. And when I have such talented people on the team, what a waste of talent and time for them to do repeated stuff, right? So that's one part. So then we talk about technology. Process and technology, they kind of go hand in hand. So what tools do we want to use so that we can implement a program, automate maybe 70% of a program? One of the, the few tools that we use right now on the ABM team is Sendoso for online gifting. Alice is another one. Sixense is a huge one. Sixense I'm a huge fan. I'm not paid to say this on, on the call, but it has a very, very good ability to understand and study historical customer data and pair that behavior up to all the accounts in the marketplace and start to bucketize them on their buying stage. So that is critical, right? Because that can feed into a process of, hey, what ABM programs do we run in lifecycle two? How do I move accounts from the early buying stages 
or leapfrog the leapfrog them into a different bucket, and so that we can all get to pipeline, and then data. Right. If I have people, process, and technology, I we need to somehow measure what is working and what's not. I think this is an old adage. It's it, you can't grow what you don't measure. So those are the four things that I've learned along the way that is super critical to ensure that we have a well-oiled engine and also inviting people across different sales org, marketing org to partner up with us and us with them as well. Love it. So I, I got a couple questions on the on the different buckets. So on the people side, how do you think about team structure? You know, if, if someone's listening and they're saying, oh, we want to build out a team or we want to evolve our team, any thoughts or tips on how to approach that? Are you thinking about building out an ABM team from scratch or evolving an existing team into an ABM team? Maybe we could just do both. So like if you're doing it from scratch, do you just hire someone that's been doing ABM for 10 years or do you start it as like a side thing of someone else on the marketing team? And then if you have one or two people, what do you do from there? So we can take the cautionary approach with a lot of experimentation, or we can take the approach of it's all in. <laughs> so, so let's let's talk about the experimentation approach. This is huge at Odd Zero. Is that is, let's try it with something small and simple. Does it work? And if it does, let's double down. If it doesn't, what are some key learnings and how do we reiterate? So I'll give an example. This is straight up from my experience at Odd Zero. Before I've been officially pitched the idea to Carrie that, hey, I think this is an ABM team. What we started doing was leveraging my sales experience, my prospecting experience, and my sales manager experience in how do we test out ABM? Because how I actually truly think about ABM is how do I replicate what one sales rep can do across thousands of accounts, leveraging a process technology with the proper people and then measure that data, right? I'm not trying to get salespeople out of a job. They will never be out of a job, the rockstar ones. But how do we replicate what we can do one-on-one across multiple accounts? So when I was looking at from that perspective, it was, okay, let's pick top 40 accounts. Let's study those accounts. Let's see if they work. And if it does, let's replicate it across many more accounts. So thankfully it did work. And as I was in this role of, I don't even know what title I had at that point, but uh, I remember Carrie recommending, let's keep it generic, demand gen. <laughs> Great, demand gen. But it came to a point where as we were testing out this in-depth understanding of what's in our total addressable marketplace. Hey, you know, SoCal enterprise is very different than Northeast enterprise, right? Once we understand those nuances, how do we start to work with each region? I don't know, uh, based on their business segments as well and the account types. In the first year, all we did, all we did was direct mails. That was it. It was, hey, I know these accounts work. Let's use a direct mail as a hook to open up doors into conversations. That really worked well. And then that opened up more opportunities, which was, well, instead of sending Matt a direct mail straight up, is there a way that I can soften the approach? 
can we have Matt join us at one of our developer marketing's event? Then send Matt a coffee gift card with no ask. Then a few weeks later, we drop him a direct mail. That actually worked even better because we actually, you know, build a relationship with the person, with the company. And that was when we start to open up the floodgates to let's buy Sendoso. Let's look into how we can collaborate across different dimension teams on webinars, on developer marketing events, to physical events that, well, when we were able to do that in person. So we didn't have an official ABMT until a year into me being on the dimension side of the house. Now, all of this is to say it can evolve, right? Because ultimately, if ABM is a way of thinking and a way of approaching our total addressable market, or it's the way you approach a market, the question that I ask is, do we actually need an ABM team? It's sort of, I don't know, you don't need to be Chinese to cook Chinese food. (laughs) Yeah, it's a great question. It's a recipe I can teach you. So all of it is to say there are many ways we can approach it. So that's the experimentation. Let's learn. And failing is part of learning. There's no way around it, right? Or we can do the let's go all in, which is let's just rewind back the clock. It was 2017. Six months into it, we know that ABM stylish stuff works. Rachel, let's go on and hire an entire team. We can as well. I've just been very hesitant in trying to do too much all at once. There are big numbers to hit. There's always big goals. But guess what? The goals, those goals and numbers will always, always increase. There's no way around it. My job is to deliver on the company's goals, the team's goals. And very importantly, my role and my job is to also, how do I maintain composure and calmness so that I can think, so that we can actually attain and accomplish those numbers as well. So there's this push-pull thing. I think it's a very individual approach. This really exposes a person's way of thinking and way of living and, and accomplishing their goals. But my approach has been sort of the surfing adage, right? Slow is smooth, smooth is fast. Awesome. And when you think about process and programs and the data around it, would love to get maybe an example from the past two years when the process and the data kind of comes in question because the world flips on its head. Like, how do you approach, you know, all of a sudden our market has shifted. We have to change our processes around that. We have to look at the data differently. How have you approached that? And how would you recommend others do the same? Yeah. So I think the process changed because some of our programs changed. And let's use direct mails. Direct mails is one of our top performers. It's just one of those things where we live in a very digital world, but if you have something that's valuable to offer and it's tangible, oddly enough, people do respond. And because I used to work at Apple, Apple truly the way Apple, I mean, I'm, I'm giving credit to my sales journey because I started out selling Apple. Apple doesn't care if people want to buy Apple. Apple cares about your experience the moment you walk into their store, the moment I'm on the phone call with you as a prospect, not even a customer yet. You're just a curious prospect. And that allowed me to think about 
marketing from that perspective. I want you to have an experience when you get the direct mail and you open up the direct mail, what's the experience? But all of that changed with COVID. Everyone's bunkering down at home. And we tried a few things. Sendosa has a feature which is very, very helpful, which enables the prospect to update their mailing address. That can work potentially for sales and marketing folks because we are so adapted to this world of gifting, direct mail, that kind of stuff. But our personas, developers, IT, product managers, architects, security folks, they are super cautious. I mean, it's just in their nature and the line of work they're in. And on top of that, we're selling an identity platform, right? That did not work. The moment they click on that link and they know that it's not oddzero.com, it died. We, we went from a ROI of 15% accounts to SQO to less than 1%. So our world just got flipped upside down. So we went on this wild goose chase on trying to figure out what we're going to do. How do we adapt and we adjust? That then changed our process. So the process that we built for direct mails are irrelevant. So what we then did was, hey, the program now says, uh, the new program that we have, uh, someone on my team did a bunch of research and came back and said, you know what, Rachel, why don't we just move everything online? (laughs) I said, great, go build it. Let's test it. Let's see what's up. So now we have a landing page and it's called a meeting maker. And we show our prospect what they're going to get and what they have to fill out to then get in touch with one of our reps. This entire process has changed because the physical one and the online version, though the outcome is the same, the experience of it is different. So that has changed our process, but that's more of at the program level. In terms of people to people working together and how other teams can work with us, it has actually opened up so many doors for us because now that it's virtual, we now then discussed with the events team, how about we change our direct mails and adapt it online for pre and post event? In the past, we would have a pre event direct mails to set meetings and we call it sweet to meet you and sent Aquafina gummy bears. I didn't know that Aquafina gummy bears are like the top notch kind of gummy bears. I just thought, great, I love the play on words and the gift. And then we would send a post event to get a meeting and it's identity with the odds are unbearable with the bear highlighted and also the gummy bears. So we try to do that online. That process has changed too because now it's changing the way we work with other teams. It's changing what we're going to be delivering. But it was not something that was difficult. Let me take a step back. It wasn't difficult on us, but I'm suspecting that the person who has to help us bake these processes in was not easy. And then during all of this amidst COVID, we had a huge upheaval of project management tools. So we consolidated, we had a a bunch. Any startup people here knows we had Monday, we had Trello, we had, I don't know, there was a gajillion of them. And then we consolidated all into Asana. But I hope that answered your question. We have a process where it's program oriented. And then there was a process change, which was tools oriented that helped us communicate with one another and partner up with one another. Yeah, that was great. Gave a ton of insight into how you've approached it and gone about it. And I'm sure people could take away a bunch from that. (laughs) Cool. So we're coming towards a wrap here. Any other like high level things you want to make sure that you touch on or 
tips or, or anything in the sort that you didn't get a chance to talk about so far? I would end on this note, and it's kind of a summary of what we've talked about. We don't need a dedicated ABM person to do ABM. But does having somebody with ABM experience help? Most definitely. Now, this depends on the stage of the business that you're in, right? I have talked to clients where, Rachel, we've done Dimension and we have growth. They're doing very, very well. Should I hire an ABM person? It really depends, right? And that's the beauty. It's it's the frustration because we don't have a clear-cut answer, but it's also the beauty because you get to adapt and adjust it to your company. The other thing is ABM is not limited to only driving pipeline for your business. Right now at Auth0, what we are doing is leveraging Sixth Sense Insights or account intent information to building out programs that can move accounts from one buying stage to the next. Now, I know in the industry, it's called life cycle. I don't have official marketing background, but one thing I do have is how do we make money? So if everybody's fishing in the pond where all these accounts are ready to flip into an SQO, that's the red ocean. How do we play in the blue that's really how I think about it. So that's why I make the strong argument on you don't need a person to have an ABM experience to drive ABM. What we need is somebody who is tenacious and determined enough and has a thirst for driving revenue. And if they do, they'll find their way. <laughs> that is an awesome note to end on. Rachel, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. For those of you listening, thank you so much for for joining in here. Hit the subscribe button. Check out the other episodes. I think there's 80 of them at this point with amazing experts and people that go deep on topics. Each episode is like, how do I think about XYZ with tips and tricks? And so go ahead and check those out. Thank you again for listening. I know there's so many things you could be working on, listening to, watching, whatever it might be. And I appreciate you spending that time here. My email is madadrift.com. If you got any feedback, ideas, Whatever it is, feel free to drop an email. If you're a fan, would love a review on whatever review platform. I think Spotify has reviews now as well. And yeah, a five-star review would be great. Written reviews go a long way as well. So thank you so much. And I will catch you on the next episode.